Amen. Good evening. Good to be with you all this evening. Exodus chapter 3 tonight as we continue our study of the book of Exodus, looking at the call of the deliverer. I want to remind us, we ended last week in chapter 2 where we were seeing that God heard, God remembered, God saw, God understood. And then the next thing that God does is that he begins to reveal himself to his chosen instrument that would lead his people out of Egypt. God is not only a God who sees and hears, he's a God of action. He's a God who moves and wants us to move as he moves. Let's remember something as we come into chapter 3 as well. You can divide the life of Moses up into three 40-year segments. So he spent the first 40 years in Egypt. He has now spent the next 40 years on the backside of the desert, if you will, as a shepherd. And now he's going to begin the last 40 years as the deliverer of God's people. So when we meet Moses here tonight in Exodus chapter 3, he is 80 years old at this point. He has spent 40 years out there as the son-in-law of Jethro tending the flocks. I want you tonight, because I thought the passage spoke more powerfully to me when I did this, I want you to put yourself in the place of Moses tonight. Because God may not be calling you to deliver his people, but God is calling all of us to something. And that process sort of takes on a very similar note. In fact, even as God followers, we see sort of a pattern throughout the Bible, and Moses sort of lived out this pattern. He ran before he was sent, and he failed. That happens to us a lot. We sort of run ahead of God, you know, before God actually sends us. Then after the failure, we retreat after failure. And then, as we're going to see beginning tonight, we resist when we're finally called. We run before we're sent. We retreat when we fail. And we resist when we're called. Beginning in chapter 3, notice Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to the mountain of God to Oreb. This was just an ordinary day. Moses didn't wake up this day and go, this is the day that God's going to call me to be the deliverer of his people. And remember, we'd already seen from Acts chapter 7 that God had already been moving in Moses long before this, and that's one of the reasons why he did what he did back in Egypt. An ordinary day. You and I never know when God is going to reveal himself to us in some real way. And God can do that any day. It, it's never an ordinary day when we're walking with God and when we're allowing God to move and work in our lives. In fact, the Bible even says that the day of the rapture is going to be just an ordinary day, just like any other day. It's not going to be anything unusual, but God's going to come. 
that day and take his people home. The second coming. Jesus says it's going to be just a day like it was in the days of Noah. People will be going through their routine of life. But it will be far from an ordinary day. This was no ordinary day. This was a day where God now, again, was wanting to bring his chosen servant into himself and begin to reveal himself to this man so that then he could send him to Pharaoh and send him to Egypt to do a work, to be his representative before Pharaoh. You'll notice then in verse 2, it is the angel of the Lord that appears to him. I believe that that is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. I believe that Jesus appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. God here is making his presence known to Moses just as God makes his presence known to us. Maybe not through a burning bush, but God always makes his presence known and God always takes the initiative in revealing himself to us. That's the way God always works. Moses had, I'm sure, in 40 years of shepherding, and by the way, even in his shepherding, he was practicing and learning valuable lessons to be an even greater shepherd. That's the way God works too. He wants to see if we're faithful in little things and then will want to place us in charge of greater things. Moses was going to be the shepherd of God's people, but he was learning how to shepherd those 40 years when he was Jethro's shepherd of his flocks. And I'm sure in those 40 years, he had seen lightning strike and he had seen some bushes burning. But notice it says he looked in verse 2, and this bush was ablaze with fire, but it was not being consumed. The fire's natural property is temporarily suspended. And who's suspending the natural property of this fire? God is. God, even before he reveals himself, is showing Moses, I am the God of all creation. And I can break into my creation at any time, and I can suspend natural laws and natural properties. Think about that as you think about the story of the Exodus and of Moses and on down the line, how God parts a Red Sea, how God takes uh, dust and makes flies and makes a swarm of flies. to. I mean, God is saying all through the book of Exodus, I'm the God of all creation, and all creation is at, is at my disposal. I am therefore the Lord of hosts. And that's one of the things that was happening here as Moses was beginning to encounter God. God wants us to encounter him. Again, he doesn't and won't maybe use a burning bush, but God wants to reveal himself to us so that we come to know him and understand him and appreciate him in a greater way, to see him in a larger way. So Moses, verse 3, thought, I will turn aside to see this amazing sight, why does the bush not burn up? Now that's important. 
Moses turned. Can God get us to turn? It was more than just a curiosity. We can become so consumed with our everyday, what we need to do, the, the tasks that we need to accomplish, that sometimes we have to be aware that God wants to do something over here. He wants to draw our attention somewhere else or to something else. And he wants to see, can he get us to turn? Can he get us to stop continuing to go down this way and get us to turn aside to him? Because he has something that he wants to reveal to us. And the reason I say all that is notice something very important in verse 4 that many times we could miss just by reading Exodus 3. Notice verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, then God called to him. Notice, there's a relationship between when and then. It was only after God saw that Moses turned that God then called. That's why God is waiting to see, can I get you to turn? Can I get your attention over here? Are you so locked in to what you are doing and what you want to do and whatever that I can't get you to turn and stop what you're doing for a moment and come over here? Because when we do that, God will then begin, as he did with Moses, to reveal something about himself to us. It will either be something we already know, but he wants to reinforce it or reaffirm it, or it may be something new that God wants to bring into our life about him. Now here, God calls to him from within the bush and says, Moses, Moses, a very common thing that God does when addressing a human being in this way he calls his name twice. It is a reminder that, again, the God of the universe, the God of all creation, the God who is greater than we could ever imagine him to be, knows us all by name. And he comes to Moses and calls him his name twice. And Moses says, here I am. And then God, beginning in verse 5, reveals how to approach him. God says, do not approach any closer. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground, not because of the ground itself, but because God's presence is there, and anywhere God's presence is, God's presence makes it holy. God is saying to Moses, I need you to take off your sandals because it is a symbolic act of reverence and humility before me. And you just can't come into my presence apart from being reverent and being humble. God will always, if we are interested, reveal to us how to approach him. And 
as New Testament Christians, we know that the way has already been made for us to approach God at any time, and that is through the blood and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. He opened the way. And if we come through Christ, we can enter the presence of God anytime, any place, and talk to our God about anything. He is our high priest. So after God tells Moses how to approach him, now Moses needs to know who it is, who is this God that he is approaching. And he adds in verse 6, I am, that's significant, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, something I want to interject here at this point. And this is why I think another reason why it's important to study the word of God in context. In chapter 2, we were reminded that Moses had this thought that, that God wanted him in some way to be a deliverer of his people. But he didn't know, again, all the details, and he wasn't called or sent by God yet, and yet he sort of, again, runs ahead of God, and he murders this person, and then he hides his body, and, you know, the whole mess. And, and after Moses fails, of course, he has to run away from Egypt and run away from Pharaoh and all of that to preserve his life. And we can only imagine, as it's true for us, that we can set out to try to serve God or to do something for God and experience failure, and then we retreat. Because we don't want to fail, and we don't want to continue to fail, and so we sort of just pull ourselves back. And Moses might have really, on a human level, been struggling with the fact of, after that failure, God's never going to give me another chance. He can't, he can't use me anymore. And the reason I bring this up is because we may be right there. And I want to reinforce something here tonight. God coming back and calling Moses after Moses failed and murdered that Egyptian is a reminder to all of us that we will all fail our God. None of us are perfect. And none of us will ever be perfect on this earth. And God is not looking for someone who's perfect to be his instrument. God is looking for someone who will follow him to be his instrument. And who will recognize that there is forgiveness with God and that God is a God who will come back around and he will give us other chances even after we fail over and over again. And the reason I'm interjecting this at this point is one of the reasons why God is revealing that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to Moses is not just to connect Moses to his ancestry. It is to remind Moses, yeah, I used those guys too, and they were far from perfect. And if I can use and work through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob after all their hang-ups and all their failures and all of that... I can use you. I have a great plan and purpose for you. And God wants all of us here tonight and those who are watching tonight from your home, he wants all of us to hear this and get this. He's not looking for perfection. 
He's looking for us to make progress with him and to walk with him and to allow him to shape us into the instrument that he sees that we can be. Maybe Moses for 40 years, while he was shepherding Jethro's flock, maybe thought, I'm never going to get another chance. And what we find here is, duh, that's not our God. God was actually using that 40 years of shepherding Jethro's flock to prepare Moses for this point. Because with God, there are no purposeless places, purposeless, purposeless times in our life, times where we're just, you know, putting in time. No, God uses all of it, even our failures to bring glory to him and to grow his people. And we have to be reminded of that. So the Lord said in verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. He is making very clear to Moses, I have a heart for my people. I've seen. Notice how these are repeated from the end of chapter 2. I've heard their cry. I know their sorrows. And I've come down to deliver them. In fact, in the Hebrew, the word deliver them literally means to snatch them away. Same concept as the rapture. I've come to snatch them out of Pharaoh's hands and to bring them up from that land to a land that is both good and spacious to a land flowing with milk and honey to the region of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And God goes on to say in verse 9 at the end, I've seen how severely the Egyptians oppressed them. And I'm moved to action because I am a God, again, of compassion. I care. I have a heart for my people. But before we move on, I want us to see this, and this is something that he is also revealing to Moses. God always moves us from something to something. It, it, it's very dangerous. Maybe that's not the best word choice, but it's the only thing that comes to mind right now. It's very dangerous, dangerous for us as Christians to say God is moving me from this, but I have no idea what God's moving me to. Because the reason I say that is if we don't trust or believe or see that God is moving us from something, if he wants us to quit something, then he's probably moving us to something. Is because if we don't do that in our life, then we end up like the Israelites and all we do is wander. We go in circles. So notice in verse 8, again, these words from God. I am bringing them up from that land to a land. I'm not just delivering them out of Egypt. I'm delivering them to somewhere else. God wants us to get that same pattern in our life. When God takes us from something or, or says to us or reveals to us, okay, that season of your walk with me is over, then God will take us from that season into another season. He doesn't just say, okay, that season's over. Now, good luck figuring the rest out. He always leads his people from something to something. Go over to verse 17 for just a moment. I want to point this out again. 
He says, I have promised that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to bring you in to the land of all the ites. <laughs> I bring you out to bring you in. God, again, is not only revealing himself to Moses here as the deliverer, he is revealing to Moses how he works, how he moves, what his values and what his priorities are. And God will do the same thing with, with us as we turn aside and allow God to reveal more of himself and how he works to each of us. So verse 9. Now indeed the cry of the Israelites has come to me, and I have also seen how severely the Egyptians oppress them. So now go, and I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Notice God doesn't say to Moses, now, I want to ask you something, Moses. How do you feel about that? Is that something you're, you know, up for? Does that sound good to you? God doesn't do that, does he? God won't do that with us. He won't come to me and say, now, Jeff, what do you think about starting a church 12 years ago? Would you, would you like to do that? Does that sound good to you? Why don't you, no. God came to me and said, you're starting a church. Oh, go. This is what I'm sending you to do. And then we've got to, as God followers, go, well, am I on board with what I know God wants or not? And again, many times we begin to resist as God calls us to something for many different reasons. I mean, legitimately, Moses might have felt very inadequate and ill-prepared and all of that after his former failure. Very possible. It could also be that Moses just didn't want to do it, you know, as we're going to see. But God calls Moses to be his instrument. And God wanted Moses and wants us to understand something. When God is ready to send us somewhere or out on a mission to do something, then God will equip us with everything that we need to do it. God never sends where he will not equip, empower, encourage, provide, enable. God will give his people everything that we need to do when he's calling us to do it. And that's the kind of faith that God wants to see in his people. That if God is asking me to do something, then I don't have to worry about, do I have what it takes to do it? If God is calling me to do it, then he will give me everything it takes to do it. Or I've already got it, I just need to discover it, and God's going to show me that as I begin to take those steps of obedience and follow his will for my life. Now Moses wasn't there yet. And I think, you know, again, this is encouraging to us because it reminds us that even the great Bible characters like Moses was human and, and they struggled with, with following God at times just like we struggle with following God at times. But you'll notice throughout this whole 
next couple chapters where God is dealing with Moses how patient God is. And God is patient with us too. We may say no at first, or we may resist, or throw up all kinds of excuses of why, you know, we're not going to go down that road that we know God is calling us to, but God will not just say, oh, okay, you're, you're done, no. God will keep coming back, and he will keep applying that gentle pressure. He will keep speaking to us through that still, small voice of the Spirit, he will still be surrounding us with things that will always be reminders to us of what we know God wants to do. That's why I tell Christians all the time, listen, you never have to be concerned that somehow you're going to miss something big that God wants you to do in your life. Because God will make it so obvious that you can't miss it. You'll have to climb over mountains of evidence that God is putting in your pathway to tell you and me, go this way, go this way, because it will be constant. It will be constant. It will be continual. It will be loving, and sometimes it will be gentle, but there will be those constant reminders. It can be songs of worship. It can be passages of Scripture. It could be words from a fellow Christian or a friend. It, it can be circumstances of life. It can be all kinds of things. God, again, is the Lord of hosts and can use anything in his universe at his disposal to get our attention. He can use a burning bush, but he'll do it because he wants us to clearly know this is the way I want you to go. This is what I'm calling you to. So Moses says, verse 11, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And again, God says, uh, first of all, I'm sending you, so you're good. Second of all, I'll be with you. You're never going to be alone, Moses, in this endeavor. And God is saying the same thing to you and I. Again, God may not be calling you to deliver a nation, but God's calling you to something and maybe part of the resistance is, I don't have what it takes. If God's calling you, you've got what it takes. And God will be with you every step of the way. I've shared with you before, you know, Nicole and I, we, we don't get up here to lead worship or to share the ministry of the word if, if we didn't know God was up here with us. I'm sure you're that way as you do things and as you serve the Lord too. You know that God is with you in that. And so obviously that gives you the encouragement. I'm not up here doing this on my own. The Lord of glory is with us. And that's what he said to Moses. And this will be the sign to you, verse 12, that I have sent you when you bring the people out of Egypt. Now notice something before we move on. God doesn't tell Moses if, notice the word when in verse 12. It's not if they come out of Egypt, it's when you bring the people out of Egypt. Notice that God says the same thing in verse 21. I will grant this people favor with the Egyptians so that when you depart, not if, when. God is already saying to Moses, I've got you, I've got this. I, I, I know there's many steps before you get there, 
but I'm telling you, I'm God, I know the future, this is how this is going to go, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. That's all Moses should have needed. But I want you to notice this at the end of verse 12. This is very important. The whole purpose for the deliverance of God's people out of Egypt was so that they would become worshipers of God on this mountain. The word serve that the Net Bible translates there in verse 12 is the word for worship in the Old Testament. I'm bringing them out of Egypt so that they can become worshipers of me. Listen, folks, that's always the purpose of God. If God is delivering us, if he's rescuing us, if he's healing us, if he's saving us, whatever, it is so that we then can become devoted and dependent worshipers of his. Worship. That's what it's all about. Putting God in his rightful place in our lives each and every day and truly worshiping him. Worshiping him. You and I never have to think, okay, what's the goal of all this? What's the goal of what we do at the Oasis? The goal is that we become worshipers of God. That's the goal for everything we do around here. That's supposed to be. That we become more devoted worshipers of God, more enthusiastic worshipers of God, more consistent worshipers of God. But it all goes back to worship. Old Testament or New Testament? And Moses then says to God, verse 13, well, if I go to the Israelites and tell them the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what's his name? What should I say to them? Who is this God? And that is then a reminder to us of how Moses obviously doesn't have a close personal relationship with this God yet because he doesn't even know his name, which reveals who he is. So God says to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you must say this to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And this is a very strange name, right? It is a reminder to us that our God is a God of mystery and wonder. He is a God that you're not going to get to the end of. There's always going to be parts of God that we are be, is beyond our comprehension that we cannot not understand, but it also speaks to his self-existence and his eternality. I am that I am. Remember, this is the only, in the Hebrew language, uh, words that are in the present tense to be. Only God is present at all times and in any way he needs to be for his people. He's the God of the past, he's the God of the future, but he's also very much the God of the present. And he will be whatever he needs to be, and he will be whatever we need him to be at any given moment in time. I am. In fact, I wrote in my Bible about Moses and about myself, you're not, but I am. <laughs> you're right, Moses. 
You could never do this. In fact, you tried to do it earlier in your life and you failed. You're simply my instrument. And God wants all of us to get that. When he calls us to something, no matter whether it's small or whether it's great, it's not about who we are and our adequacy and how great we are and all of our abilities and skills and talents. It's about who he is. It's not us. It's him. We're not, but he is. And that's what he wanted Moses to get. That's what he wants us to get. We're, we're just the instruments. We're just following along, letting God use us and work through us. But it's all God every step of the way. God also said to Moses, and here, I'll wrap this up in just a moment. God gives Moses his name, and then he gives him three missions. The first mission is he's to go to the people of God, verse 15. You must say this to the Israelites. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And that this is my name forever, my mark of distinction. And this will be my memorial, my memento to you for you to remember me from generation to generation. I am that I am. Then he tells him, secondly, you're to go to the elders of the nation. And you are to tell them, verse 16, the Lord, the God of your fathers, appeared to me, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I have attended carefully to you. I'm paying attention with great interest to what's happening to you in Egypt. And I have promised that I will bring you out to bring you in. And then, notice the encouragement that he gives to Moses in verse 18. He says, the elders will listen to you. Again, God is saying to Moses, I know what's going to happen before it happens, and I'm telling you to reassure you, they're going to listen to you when you go back. Because I'm going to be with you. And the elders of Israel then, and you then, must go to the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, and that's the third of the three missions. To the people, to the elders, and then to Pharaoh. And God says to Moses, I want you to make a reasonable request of Pharaoh. I don't want you to go to him at first and say, hey, let my people go. He says, I first want you to go and just ask a very reasonable request. Can we go three days journey into the wilderness so that we might sacrifice to the Lord our God and worship him? And then God says, I know he won't let you go, but. I'm going to come down on him and on the Egyptians. And eventually, through my pressure and through my signs and wonders, he will let you go. Not only that, God says to Moses, but I will grant favor to my people so that when, again, not if, you will never leave empty-handed. What encouragement. God is giving to Moses even before he takes one step in the direction of being the deliverer of Egypt. What is God doing here in chapter 3? He is reaching out to Moses, revealing himself, because God always takes the initiative in revealing himself, and he's trying to grab Moses and pull him in. Say, Moses, you need to come in to my heart. You need to hear my heart. You need to understand me before I send you out. That's everything that's going on here. 
God is revealing his name, how he works, what he's going to do, all the promises. I mean, he's just unfolding it all one step at a time. But it's because he's bringing Moses in before he sends him out. God works the same way today. Listen, God has a calling and a mission for every last one of us as his people. Right now in this season, God has something for every one of us because God never lets his people live one day on this earth without purpose. You hear me? God never leaves his people on this earth one day without purpose. There's always purpose with God when it comes to being his people. So what is that? What is that calling that you are to continue in? Or is there something that, like Moses, you need to begin to follow God in because you've been either retreating or resisting, but over and over and over again, you know that this is what God's calling you to. He may be calling you out from this season into another season. Other times, it's just, no, you continue, continue on. Like, like me, I mean, God's not going to call me to something else other than being the pastor of this church. Now, it's going to look differently through the years and seasons like that, but that's my calling. And I just have to keep progressing in my calling that God has given to me in my life. I'm not going to change that calling, but I'm going to make progress in it. That may be where you're at. Either way, though, God is going to continually bring us closer to him, and then he's going to send us out. Bring us in to send us out. And that's why it's so important that you and I have those times with God throughout the week where we're just alone with God and God brings us into his heart and we get more of him so that we can go out and be more effective. That's why it's important that we come to the house of God when we can and we're part of, of Wednesday and Sunday and other times during the week because that's also where God brings us into him through the ministry of this church in order to send us out. Let's pray. Father, we pray tonight that each of us, Lord, would in some ways be like Moses at this time in his life, where at least, Lord, he was willing to turn aside when he saw something that you were doing so that you could reveal more of yourself to him. Lord, may we always have that heart that we don't get so locked into our schedules and our routines and to the tasks at hand that we can't be turned aside by you when you need to get our attention for something. And then, God, as we pursue you, may we always realize, Lord, that the end of it all is to just continue to progress in our worship of you and to be a more devoted worshiper of you. And God, may we realize that when you call us to something or send us out, it's not about our adequacy. It's about your adequacy. Whatever you send us to do, you will equip your people to do as well. You've given us everything that we need, and you will be with your people. 
So God, may we embrace whatever you have for us in this season of our life and trust you, God, trust you, not ourselves, but trust you, God, to work it all out. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here tonight. God bless. We'll see you next week.